0: Our first scripture reading comes from the book of Acts and can be found on page 1706 of your pew Bibles. Let us listen now for a word from God. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias yes Lord he answered the Lord told him go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight Lord Ananias answered I have heard many reports about this man And all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciple in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Amen. We are grateful to Kelly Johnson and to Rhonda and to Amy for their leadership and worship today. We continue our sermon series that we have been on for the last several weeks now that we are calling Back to School. Every year around this time, students go back to school. And as most teachers, I think, will agree, one of the first things you often have to do is do a little refresher on some of those lessons that may have lapsed over the summer months. The same, of course, is true in our spiritual and faith journeys every once in a while. It is worth our effort to go back and refresh our own hearts and souls on the faces and events of scripture that form the very foundation of our own faith. And so we have been on this journey for these last several weeks, beginning with the exodus of the Israelites leaving Egypt We've sat with the prophets, we have gone way back and visited with King David. Last week, we turned from the Hebrew Scriptures to the New Testament, going around with the newly called disciples. This week, we turn to the story of someone who is perhaps one of the most important Christians other than Christ himself, even 2000 years later one of the most important christians in the story of our tradition the apostle paul now paul as we heard in our first reading began his journey with christ during a conversion experience on the road to damascus by the time we get to our second reading in acts chapter 16 a number of things have happened in paul's life he's been back to jerusalem several times he's had an extended stay back home several years at least in Tarsus. He has gone on at least one missionary journey throughout Asia Minor and Cyprus, Asia Minor being modern-day Turkey. And here, right before our reading today, he has embarked with several counterparts on a second missionary journey, one that up until this point was intended to simply be a retracing of the first going back to some of those people and churches and communities that Paul and his colleagues had helped to establish. But as we find now those plans are suddenly about to change. So let us listen once more for a word from God as we hear these verses from Acts chapter 16 beginning with the ninth verse. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis, And from there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there for several days. Now on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. And one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. And when Lydia and the members of her household were baptized, she invited all of us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house she persuaded us friends this too is the word of god for the people of god thanks be to god will you join me once more in prayer let us pray good and gracious god help us to bridge whatever void it is that is separating us this day from you Indeed, O God, set our course that we might find ourselves on new shores this day with a fresh word from your spirit. O God, we pray that you would give us a vision, a vision for how and where it is you are calling us to serve and love in your name. Indeed, O God, we pray these things for we know with you they are possible. Indeed, we know that through the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, your spirit can take that which is gathered here to glorify and please you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Lord opened her heart. Such an interesting choice of words, isn't it? I feel like that phrase, open heart, is one that we are perhaps more accustomed to hearing in the context of a what, doctor and scrubs and a cold operating room. But here it's clear that, that it means something altogether different. The Lord opened her heart. See, I think the key to understanding why the Apostle Paul is such an important figure, even today in the story of our faith, why the Apostle Paul, frankly, still has an awful lot to teach all of us that we live some 2,000 years after him. I think the key to understanding, out of the words, why it's worth going back to school and refreshing our hearts and minds on the story of Paul. I think that key is found in that single sentence. The Lord opened her heart. To understand what I mean, first we need to recognize the fact that Paul should not have been where he is in our story today. Right, Going all the way back to that Damascus Road moment, Paul, earlier in his adult life, he was a persecutor. Of Christians, of followers of the way, but here he is a zealot for Jesus. And even beneath that, Paul had set out at the beginning of this journey to simply retrace where he had already been. Paul had only packed enough clothes to go through Asia Minor, and yet here he literally finds himself on the other side of the ocean in this this place, this leading city of Macedonia called Philippi. This passage today is the very first description of the Christian faith ever going beyond Asia Minor and the Middle East. This story is the first encounter that anyone has with Christ on the new continent called Europe. I mean, even within the story, Paul goes outside the city gates, our passage tells us, to find a place for prayer, presumably to find a place where he and maybe a small group of his followers can gather and pray. But instead, they find themselves sitting with a group of women. I mean, Paul is literally outside the city gates in this story in every sense of the word. And yet it is precisely because Paul is where he is that another's heart is open to the Lord. I remember someone once telling me the story of a pastor who was interviewing for a new job and the search committee did what search committees do. They took her around to all the best neighborhoods in their community. They took her around and wined and dined her at all the best restaurants. They showed her all the best schools for her kids. And by the time they finished the tour, they asked, is there anywhere else you want to see? And she said, yeah, take me. Take me to the place where your church never goes. Take me to the neighborhood. Take me to the street where human fragility and brokenness is not nearly as well hidden as it is in all the places you've already shown me. Take me, in other words, outside the city gates. You see, she understood what Paul clearly understands in our story today, which is that God uses unexpected people in unexpected places to open unexpected hearts Through the power of the gospel that proclaims the wholly unexpected life, death, and resurrection of this man named Jesus Christ. But the equally amazing thing, I think, is what happens next in the story. Because Lydia's heart is open, but It doesn't end there. Lydia responds, Luke-Acts tells us. She responds by inviting Paul where? Into her home. You know, if any of us meet a stranger who we're like, hmm, this person's kind of cool. Right, the nice, polite thing that we usually do is maybe invite them out to coffee or lunch around the corner. This is sort of a nightmare scenario, I think, for many of us here. I know at least one person in my house, this would be a nightmare scenario for. You've just met this complete stranger. You haven't prepared anything in your home. You left that morning and locked the door behind you, expecting to come back by yourself. And now you are inviting a stranger into the most intimate space of your life, your home. We can learn so much about each other by going into our homes, right? I can imagine Lydia there unlocking the door and Paul following her across the threshold. And there's the half-folded laundry still out in front of the TV. <laughs> there are the dirty dishes from the night before still spread out across the counter. Right? She didn't expect to bring someone home with her, did she? Right, I can see Paul going to spit out his gum and he opens the trash can and there's one too many empty beer bottles in there. I can see all the bills still spread out on the table and Paul can just make out the red lettering on a few of them, overdue. I can see Paul slowly making his way down the mantle where all the family photos are displayed. And he can pick up on the difference between the pictures where the smile is genuine and the ones where the smile is a little too strange see where there's just a little, too much awkward distance between those two in that picture, where the eyes register something other than happiness. Just like Paul on the Damascus Road, God opens Lydia's heart, and Lydia in turn responds by opening her whole good, the bad, the messy, the ugly, she opens her whole life to God. If we step back and we study the life of Paul as a whole, what we'll find is that this cycle is not an isolated one. Over and over, we find these stories, both in Acts and in the epistles that Paul will later write, where Paul is sent by God outside the city gates. And through Paul, God opens someone else's heart. And that person whose heart has been opened, in turn, opens their entire lives to God. Over and over. Just turn to the next story in chapter 16. It's the story of the jailer. A story that begins with the jailer literally taking Paul and Silas into the innermost cell of his prison and shackling them to the wall. And yet by the end of the story, the jailer and his entire family are baptized and rejoicing in the Lord. Over and over, we see this cycle play out. Outside the city gates, a heart is opened, and in turn, someone opens their life to God. The thing that makes me wonder then, is that cycle, is that story descriptive of our stories? The truth is, I think, we all like our city gates. I mean, let's be real. Most of us here, we literally choose to live on an island. I can't tell you how many times when I introduce myself to someone who live somewhere else, and I tell them where my home is, and they say, wow, paradise. So many of us move here because it separates us from the rest of the world, at least in our imaginations. We like to stay within the safety of what we know. right? We like to only show people the good neighborhoods, the good parts of our lives. Over and over, the Apostle Paul will have none of it. Over and over, what Paul proclaims with his words and with his living is that we have to go where we should not be. And then we have to trust God to do the rest. We have to go where we should not be and then trust God to do the rest. There was a hot summer night in 1893. 1893. Hold that date in your mind. It was a hot night on the south side of Chicago when a black man named James Cornish was stabbed in the chest and he was rushed to Provident Hospital. It's amazing. I went looking. Provident Hospital is still there. It's part of the Cook County Hospital system now. But back then, Provident was a remarkable place because it was the first black-owned, fully interracial hospital in the United States, a place where black and white doctors and nurses served side by side, day in and day out, 1893. It was founded by an African-American surgeon named Dr. Daniel Hale Williams. When Cornish began to go into shock, Williams suspected that there must be a deeper wound near the heart. And so in a cramped operating room with crude anesthesia, he inspected the wound between two ribs, exposing the breastbone, and he cut the rib cartilage and created what he described later as a small trapdoor to the heart. Now, mind you, medical textbooks back then almost universally said that operating on the human heart was far too dangerous to even attempt. There was literally no precedent for what Dr. Williams was doing in the operating room that night. But looking through the trap door, he found this damaged artery near James Cornish's heart and he sutured it. And then upon further inspection, he realized that the pericardium, which is that sac around the heart, that the knife had left a gash near the right coronary artery. And so with the heart still beating there in James Cornish's chest and a blood transfusion impossible, Dr. Williams rinsed the wound. And he held the edges of the palpitating artery with forceps and carefully sewed it back together. Once the surgery was complete and James Cornish had been sent off to recovery, it marked the very first successful open heart surgery in human history. I think we go back to school on Paul as Paul reveals to all of us that the God we meet and worship in this space and out in the world beyond is one who sends unlikely people to unlikely places to save, literally save, unlikely lives. And the way God does that is by opening a trapdoor on unlikely hearts, maybe even your